0: Tonight on Farage, it's policing all the way. Yes, absolutely, Boris will get no more fines. Where does that leave Starmer? We're being told by a very senior police regulator that police must use discretion if people are out shoplifting. Should people really not be arrested for shoplifting? We'll discuss and debate that. Are we being ripped off at the fuel pumps? Hmm, I wonder. And joining me on Talking Pints, star of stage and screen, Bobby Davro. Bobby Davro. Good evening, everybody. Lots of policing stories today. As Boris Johnson is told, he will not get any more fines. Mrs Johnson, despite the ABBA party, also will not get any more fines. And politics is an extraordinary game of snakes and ladders. So I guess it's Keir Starmer potentially now on the hook. We'll talk about that. But something I consider to be far more serious are the comments of Andy Cook, the new chief inspector of constabulary. And overnight, we've heard him tell us that the impact of poverty and the impact of lack of opportunity for people does lead to an increase in crime. There's no two ways about it. And when it comes as to how police should operate... In this environment of increasing poverty, he says they've got to bear in mind what is the best thing for the community and the individual in the way they deal with these issues. And I certainly fully support police officers using their discretion. So you're caught shoplifting. But you say that you show the police officer the size of your uh, debit on your bank account and that's OK, is it? No, I think this is a very, very slippery slope. We know there are going to be millions of people living in poverty. We know it's going to be very, very tough. But this, to me, is almost encouraging criminality. I find it astonishing. I find it extraordinary. And Kit Malthouse, the policing minister, he felt much the same way when he appeared. On GB News Breakfast Programme this morning. Well, Uh, Well, I was hoping for that clip from GB News, but for some reason, we haven't got it. I thought the gremlins had all been cleared cleared up, but obviously not. You tell me what you think. Should shoplifters be prosecuted? Yes or no? Farage at GBNews.uk. First, let's think about Westminster. I'm joined by Tom Harwood, our political correspondent. Tom... I mean, one never knows with this what's going to come next. So it seems to me that Boris Johnson got a fine for walking into a room not knowing there was a birthday cake going to be presented, but he's not going to be... Receive a fixed penalty notice for anything else. It's
1: the most extraordinary roller coaster, and this whole story since the beginning of Partygate has been a roller coaster. At various points, the prime minister's position has seemed incredibly safe. At various points, it has <laughs> seemed like the prime minister would be gone in the morning. I mean, we will remember um, that there was one particular moment just before the uh, MP Christian Wakeford uh, defected to the Labour Party. Just before then, whips estimated that we were one or two letters to Sir Graham. Brady away from the Prime Minister having mm. a no-confidence vote forced upon him. And then suddenly there was unity in the Conservative Party again. I mean, this story has been the most remarkable one of ups and downs. And yet again, this morning, uh, late this morning, just before midday, uh, we had it confirmed that the Prime Minister would not receive mm. any more well, expensive yeah. notices. It's something that surprised so many people. And indeed, I was sitting in that <laughs> lobby briefing this morning, or this early this afternoon, yeah. with, with the uh, Prime Minister's official spokesman and we journalists around the room from various different publications had to ask the question three or four different times really no more fixed penalty. the, the met police have told you no more fixed penalty notices because everyone was expecting because that bar was so low for that first notice. After the first fine. After yeah. the first yeah. fine, yeah. everyone yeah. was expecting, well, if they're going to fine him for this cake, the, the what else? Just about everyone in the country would potentially yeah. be uh, subject so to So if fines. he's but got
0: that, that, he's obviously very happy with that. Yeah. We've still got the Gray report to come. That's we?
1: certainly true. What, what this now means, because we'll remember, back in January, we were expecting this Sue Gray report. Mm. And then at the end of January, the Met Police launched this investigation. Now, that meant that Sue Gray couldn't publish anything about the uh, events that were being investigated. So now, finally, the Met Police investigation has concluded. We're expecting Sue Gray's report early next week. She's working quickly to finish it and wants to publish it as soon as possible and crucially before the summer recess so that this can all be sorted out. And that
0: report, I'm guessing, will be more about the culture that existed within number 10. Would
1: that be right? Well, we got a taster of it uh, in the interim report that was published Mm. in the middle of the police investigation, and it did speak about culture, and of course this isn't just about number 10, this is about Whitehall as well, the whole civil service. Sometimes I stand outside Downing Street and explain to viewers, this isn't just sort of the one door that we know, it all connects number 10 is connected to number 11, is connected to number 12, 9, and all the way down Whitehall as well. These are hundreds of offices and hundreds of people. Um, But yes, clearly something was quite wrong, and clearly there was a mindset, a sort of bubble mindset, within Downing Street throughout a lot of this pandemic. well, it's going to be very interesting to see what she says, but it looks like the Boris, uh, it's
0: over. Which means, in this extraordinary upside-down world, that suddenly it's Keir Starmer potentially in a lot more trouble.
1: Well, the the fate of the leader of Her Majesty's opposition rests in the hands of one of the smallest police forces in the country. It's really quite extraordinary that a small team uh, in Durham Constabulary will decide if Sir Keir Starmer remains as leader of the Labour Party or not. Now, the Labour Party is outwardly confident. Today they have been sending uh, photographs of what happened inside Durham Miners Hall on that evening in 2021 in April. Now, it has to be said, a lot of people say that April, well, of course, it wasn't full lockdown. Well, it was the same month that the Queen sat alone at the funeral of her husband uh, in Windsor. Mm -hmm. It was the same month where indoor socialising, indoor mixing was banned. And so this really is a fairly serious investigation. Clearly, Durham police feel like it has met the grounds for investigation. And we keep hearing changing stories. At first, Sir Keir Starmer said six people were there, then ten people. Now we're thinking 20 people (laughs) were there. Um, It just seems like the story keeps keeps shifting about who was there, about how much curry was ordered. What was drunk? Was this a social event or a work gathering? That is what must be determined.
0: Well, Tom, the best thing for you you and I on this is not to make any predictions at all (laughs) because this is a totally unpredictable game. And thank you. Well, I have to say the Mets' behaviour over all of this has been really astonishing. Uh, One minute they're going to, the next minute they're not. Uh, Really very, very odd. But not as odd as those comments from Andy Cook that I mentioned earlier, the new Chief Inspector of Constabulary. So basically what he's saying is when people are poorer, they are more likely to commit crime. I, I I do half wonder whether that's not a very insulting comment to those that are struggling financially. But more alarming to me is this idea that police officers should use discretion when it comes to street crime, when it comes effectively to shoplifting. And I, I worry what sort of door that opens up. Well, palm sandu former chief superintendent in the met joins me on this just to begin i mean what on earth have the met been doing over these downing street parties you know the the sue gray report had to be suspended what have they been thinking
2: I think that now that it's ended, that will be um, a good start for careers to restart and for people to get on with their jobs. I think everybody's getting bored with Partygate. It's just gone on for such a long time. No,
0: no, I think the general public, we were in Hull last week and people were very bored with Partygate. And now that Labour are in some trouble, it's kind of neutralised it politically. But my question is about the Met. There's hardly been clear, decisive leadership from the Met on this, has there?
2: It has been quite confusing with, are the Met going to investigate it or aren't they? And the cost of the investigation, it wasn't a quick investigation. It's taken many, many months and a number of detectives that could have been doing other jobs. They've been taken away from frontline policing, helping people who need them who are in crisis and looking at fixed penalty notices, which is not really acceptable at all.
0: No. And what about Andy Cook? What about this new chief inspector um, of the Constabulary? I mean, he's the regulator, effectively, you know, for the 43 police forces across the country and how they behave and what they do. And and, and that's where many complaints would go from members of the public. Um, There may well be a link between increased poverty and crime, although, as I say, I think that's quite insulting to many poorer people. But I mean, how do you use discretion with a shoplifter?
2: Police officers have always been able to use discretion. It's nothing new. But what, what is being suggested here is if you get a person who is stealing food to eat, not to feed a drugs habit, but to eat, should we be clogging up the court system with that person or should we be looking at what help that person needs? Because normally police get involved when there's a crisis. But so how, it might be that that but, person But how would you judge
0: it? How would you judge it? I mean, you talked about police officers' time. Being, being used up over potential fixed penalty notices, I mean what do you do? You say, right, okay, we've caught you with a loaf of bread, you know, under your overcoat. We're now going to go through your bank balance. We're now going to find out what your financial state of affairs is. How on earth on the spot can a police officer make that decision?
2: I think that decision can be made because if you've got a, a pensioner or a person who's trying to feed their family and they have stolen a loaf of bread mm-hmm. you need to direct them to food banks social services. You do need to get involved with that family as a police officer but do you really need to criminalise them? Shouldn't you be looking so at a way out
0: Where do you draw the I mean, line? You know, is somebody, um, is somebody who could afford a year ago... You know, to have three or four bottles of wine a week, and you know roast twice a week, and steak on a Thursday, and fish and chip out on a Friday. But now has trimmed that down a bit. I mean, where do you say that somebody is so poor they're allowed to shoplift? That's the problem.
2: But no one's saying that. No one is saying that you're allowed to shoplift. But what what Andy Cook has tried to say is that each case has to be judged on its own merit. Because if you've got a person who's shoplifting every day, of course they're going to be charged. But if you've got a person who's driven to desperation. And I don't think that Andy Cook is saying that poor people are criminals. However, poor people can become criminalised if the criminal justice system is used against them more than others. And that's where we need to be really careful. Because some of these individuals, we've got a crisis at the moment, we've got a cost of living crisis. Mm -hmm. Some of these individuals are genuine people who work hard, who are driven to desperation, and they just might need some help. I,
0: I, I don't doubt how difficult things are, and they're probably going to get quite a lot worse. I just wonder, finally, is this not soft policing? Is this not sending a message that actually, if you go and shoplift and you tell the copper, you know what, I'm really poor and struggling he'll let you off.
2: Police officers aren't there just to present people to the courts. You'd, you'd have nothing going to court you wait two years to get a rape um, to court at the moment You know, cyber crime affects 50% of the people and yet we haven't got enough police officers to go and visit burglary victims so if you're clogging up the system with the little old pensioner who's got a loaf of bread, mm. that's not right that's where discretion has to come in you've got to have those checks and balances in and police officers are there to help the public, not just to lock the them up. There's two parts to policing. Well,
0: that's a very, you know, compassionate <clears throat> angle that you put there. I have to say, Palmer, I'm still very concerned that it is <laughs> opening the door potentially to a lot of people thinking I can get away with this. But we will see. Thank you for Thank joining you. me on the programme. Now, this big debate that's going on about whether we should put a tax on the oil and gas companies because they've had this big bonus of price rises. And Sir Keir Starmer's leading the charge on it, but actually, there's quite a few in the Tory party now agreeing. And snap public opinion polls when people are told we'll tax the companies that are making an extra £30 million a day in the North Sea and cut your fuel bills. What it does, on the face of it, sound quite attractive. We drilled down on it last night. It would lead to about £2 billion being raised. It would barely scratch the surface of the problem of domestic users. But I fear that Boris Johnson, who tends to follow opinion polls rather than lead public opinion, is going to U-turn on this and put a windfall tax on those companies. I've written a piece today for the Daily Telegraph online saying, I think there's a better way. Why doesn't the government call the bosses into Downing Street next week, sit them down over lunch and say, look, the public pressure to put this windfall tax on you is becoming too difficult. It's really, really hard. We're going to have to impose it upon you unless you promise to reinvest those extra profits in offshore and onshore oil and gas production. And if you do that we'll see our way to clearing all the regulatory barriers, the hurdles, and in doing so, tell the nation they're going to create tens of thousands of well-paid jobs. There'll be more, much more, tax going to the exchequer. And for those worried about climate change, it won't increase global CO2 We'll just actually be producing our own energy and become self-sufficient. That is my big idea of the week. I hope somebody across the road behind me listens to it. In a moment, we'll talk fuel. Are we being ripped off at the pumps? Your reaction on whether shoplifters should be prosecuted regardless of the state of their bank balance. One viewer says stealing is stealing. It's taking something that belongs to someone else until you give something in return. Chrissy says thieving is thieving, no matter the reason why. Emden says shoplifting, like burglary, involves theft, so yes, they should be prosecuted. Sarah says when it's a choice of going hungry or stealing, there is really only one answer. Well... That may well be true, Sarah, in some cases. But if the police are seen to go soft on crimes like shoplifting, I think we're opening the doors to some real, real trouble. I genuinely do. Now, linton on Ooze was proposed by the Home Secretary. Remember, we're going to ship young males off to Rwanda, but people will be sent also to linton on a little village in North Yorkshire. And today, they've been out protesting. And Anna Riley, GB News' Yorkshire and Humber reporter, has been there. She joins me now.
3: Hi, Nigel. Yes, there were more than 100 villagers that turned out to protest. And they had the message of wrong plan, wrong place. These are the signs that they're holding up. They believe that this is just the wrong place for them. There's going to be up to 1,500 asylum seekers in the disused RAF base. And that's versus 700 villagers. They're saying that they've just not got the amenities here. And they've also got concerns for their safety. I spoke to to people during the protest, and this is what they had to say. The whole plan is completely unsafe for the police, the refugee charities, the villagers. Everyone is saying that it's the wrong place to put 1,500 asylum seekers. There's
2: no facilities for them. We're not against the refugees. If it was 1,500 British white lads, it would still be the same. It's overpowering. It would mean for our village that... The asylum seekers outweigh the villagers by three to one, which is very intimidating for people living in the village, the community. It's upsetting. Yeah, it's just
3: really about, like, safety for us women. I feel like there's no safety put in place. And
2: um, and um, it's things like me and my friend going out for a run. Um, we will no longer be able to do that anymore. Um, yeah, it's, it's singly or in a group, I just don't feel safe at all
3: clearly a lot of upset and anger amongst villagers here. They're currently in the village hall behind me, having their parish council meeting. There's members of the Home Office there there to discuss the concerns of the villagers. In the next two weeks, we're being told up to 50 asylum seekers are going to be relocated to this RAF base. So there's currently discussions going on as to whether the increased policing is going to happen in the area, whether there's going to be CCTV, extra amenities. That's all been Discussed right now. But clearly a lot of anger here in this village.
0: Thank you very much indeed for that report from Linton on Ouse. And bear in mind, folks, 1,500 people going to that particular site. But 9,000 have crossed the channel so far this year. And it's going to be 100,000 unless the Rwanda plan is put into place and starts to work. So there may well be Linton Onu's coming to you, your village, very soon. Believe me, it's happening. Now, fuel, oil prices through the roof. But that's okay because Rishi Sunak, wasn't it so good of him in the spring statement to give us that 5p cut? Didn't change VAT, but the 5p cut. But concern that as oil prices are well off the top, of the market they were, as the five pence was supposed to have kicked in some time ago, concerned that at the pumps it doesn't appear to be having any effect. And so Kwasi Kwarteng, the business secretary, wrote to all the organisations concerned, including the Petrol Retailers Association, and they received a swift reply from Gordon Balmer, who is indeed the executive director of that organisation, and he promises that The fuel duty cut has been passed on to consumers. He makes the point that there are many other factors that have increased costs on fuel retailers. Well, that's what he says. I did invite the petrol retailers to come on the show this evening. They declined. They have been on this show before, and I very much hope they will come on again. But somebody who feels strongly that something is wrong that were being ripped off at the pumps when it comes to the fuel duty cut, but also the astonishing differential between unleaded and diesel. Well, of course, it's Howard Cox of Fair Fuel UK, a veteran campaigner on these issues. <laughs> I'm just being kind. No, thank, thank you, <laughs> Nigel. Um, Howard, they're insisting the 5p cut has, has, has been put through uh, to the pumps, uh, but the oil price is down. What do you think is going on? Well,
4: we did a survey, Nigel, with something like 50,000 of our supporters, all drivers, and we asked them, did anyone see that 5p cut? And bear in mind, when Rishi uh, Sunak stood up at that dispatch box, and on that day, uh, Kwasi and him wrote to every single retailer saying it must be actually shown at 6.30 that evening. Yeah no one saw that. Now I understand people, uh, uh, retailers, and to give Gordon Barmer and the petrol retailers association a little bit of credit here, they're not making the rip-off of profits that people think they are so I, I would hate to think people are going to go down to their garages tonight and actually shout at them and say, "Where's what are you doing with all this huge amount of profit? They're not making that it's further up the fuel supply chain, Nigel and that's the sort of thing we're investigating and looking at at the moment, but certainly the 6p don't forget it's 20% on top of the fuel duty so it's 6p, we should be seeing that has not been noted, and the RAC recently in their report said they've only
0: seen 2p drop right so the rac are very much on side with yeah. you that yeah. something is going wrong and please explain something to me 20 years ago we were told <laughs> you must all switch the diesel it will save the environment and also of course you got more miles per gallon with diesel yes. on a long run than you got with petrol you still do yes. um, and actually i remember when i first bought a diesel car at about that period i think it was a penny cheaper yes than petrol was. And now it is what, 15p more per well, litre? It,
4: you're absolutely right. Before we were told to drive diesel, diesel was always cheaper than petrol. We're the only nation in the world now that prices diesel more than petrol. Yes, the, o- the only nation, certainly in Europe, we're the only uh, nation. And we're the, still the highest tax drivers in Europe, despite that 5 to 6p uh, invisible fuel yeah. duty cut. Um, so why the differential? Well, no one knows. This is the point. We're, we're, I'm working with backbench MPs, and hopefully not, we'll be making announcements shortly. We want to launch a body called PumpWatch, a bit like Ofgem, Ofcom. Why mm. hasn't 37 UK drivers, 37 million UK drivers, why haven't they got some sort of consumer price protection? Why haven't they got that? Uh, we're looking at today, and I looked and before I came on to see you. Today's fuel uh, uh, diesel wholesale price is 8p less than petrol. I repeat, eight p less. The wholesale price is eight p less, and yet, as you know, if you just go down any garage, you'll it's see fourteen. 18, it's one eighty-two. fourteen p more. Yeah,
0: one eighty-two a litre at the so, moment, yeah. something like that. There's a twenty-three p difference, and, and and they're making around... So it's, so it's not about availability. I mean, no. I, I know a fair bit of it is is is, is of course, you know, uh, Russia is is where uh, I'm afraid so much of it's produced. But 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 so you're arguing. I mean, y- your suspicion is we're being ripped off on diesel, isn't I'm t- it? I'm t- I'm t- they're using
4: that as their cash cow to rip us off easily. Petrol is not so profitable at the moment. In fact, some areas, are, I understand, they're losing money at the forecourts. But why are they doing this? What we want is transparency and fair pricing. When you drive into a garage and you hear that oil prices have gone up or they've come down, yep. you have no idea what the, the, the price
0: is going to be. At the and, the, and there's a lag time anyway, isn't yes, there? Yes, there is. There is a lag time between what the spot price of oil is and, and, and you, know, you don't know uh, whether the chain have have brought forward on the market or what they've done. I mean, that's difficult to tell. Um, I think this really needs looking at. I I actually think, Howard, having read up on it today, I actually think the differential between petrol and diesel is actually potentially a bigger scandal than 5p given to us in Duty cut not being noticed. And we're going to write. Yes, this programme is going to write to Gordon Barmer. We're on quite good terms with him. We want him to explain please, why this price differential if Howard is right that the wholesale price of diesel is, what did you say, 8 8B? It's 8 pence, and that's RAC foundation figures. Something is very wrong. Is this the biggest rip-off of modern time? Hey, inflation is bad enough without all of us being legged over. So that letter is going off to Gordon Barmer. Howard, as ever, thank you for joining us here on GB News. Thank you, thank you very much indeed. Now, Last weekend, it was, in America, Mother's Day. Uh, They have it a few weeks later than we do. It's a massive event in America. I was there for Mother's Day last year. I was at Mar-a-Lago, actually. Well, that'll thrill some of you and horrify others, I'm sure. Calvin Klein put out a Mother's Day advert of what I think is supposed to be a pregnant man. Have a look at this picture. Now, it's quite tough to work this out. That looks like a man, but actually it's a woman that has transgendered to being a man and had some um, breast surgery. You can probably see the scars on that picture, but has now become pregnant and is about to have a baby. And I looked at that picture... And I thought, well, why on earth would Calvin Klein be putting this out? But they say that actually this is highlighting the reality of new families. That is what Calvin Klein have said in their advert. Well, I tell you what, I don't think it is. I wonder... How many females that have become trans men are pregnant at the moment? And what is a percentage of the population that is? It will be absolutely minute. So I find that picture a bit odd, a bit disturbing. And I find the attempt by Calvin Klein to tell us this is now absolutely the way that it is wrong. But i tell you what's worse, in my opinion. And that is this TikTok video. Why do I find this video so difficult? Well, I'll tell you why, because TikTok TikTok is something that young kids looked at. I had a letter from a viewer this week saying his nine-year-old girl was effectively being forced to go on TikTok to join in dance routines at school. So TikTok is for the youngsters. And don't you think the world is confusing enough for young kids growing up without something like that being put to them as being part of everyday normal life? Because I just... Don't believe that it is. And I'm not saying that from a, position of pregnancy, uh, from a position of prejudice or anything like that. I'm just saying that we're confusing young kids by doing this. Another What the Farage story that I thought was quite disturbing, really, was the NHS appears to be making quite a mess of a large number of operations. Surgical tools were found post-surgery in over 100 Patients last year. Uh, There were also uh, many operations, 171 operations done on wrong parts of the body. A total of 407 never events last year in the NHS. A never event is something that should never, ever happen, which is a somewhat sobering thought. But maybe one thing that can cheer us all up. I've absolutely refused, religiously refused to cover the Wagatha Christie case that has dominated our newspapers so much. This battle, this libel battle that's gone on between the Vardis and the Roonies, and nobody is coming out very well. But the good news is the Vardis have said whether they win or lose this case, they're emigrating to America. And all I can say is hooray, and I hope you have a lovely time with Harry and Meghan. Now, in a moment, I'll be joined on Talking Pines by all-round entertainer Bobby Davro. Hold on to your hats. We're back in a moment. Here we go. Right. It's time for Talking Pints. Yes, it's that time of the day. Now, I'm joined today by a guy who was an all-round entertainer, a funny man. He can play straight men to it, but he's not also keen on that. He likes to make people laugh. But let's just see a clip of him before I introduce Bobby Davro. Here he is a few years ago playing Gaza. <laughs>
5: Is me game. You know, a lot of people are surprised to see I'm still about. They thought I'd end up like George Best. Why, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, because he's a millionaire again now, you know. He's just taking all his empties back. <laughs> but 1990 was a great, great year, you know. I remember first off, right, there was a the World Cup. Then there was uh, cuddling Mrs. Thatch, you know, Mrs. Thatch. lady really like, you know, before she was showing the red card, of course. And then there was receiving player of the year. Not for footy, mind, for gurning. <laughs>
0: Wow, well, <laughs> that's dreadful, was Bobby Davro. Welcome to the talking. Love it to be here. Uh, that must <laughs> be over thirty-five years old. That but it just, it's just—it's just after the nineteen-ninety World yeah. Cup. Yeah, it was. It you was, know, yeah, when ga- Gaza cried, I became and friendly with Gaza for a while. Did because, you? Yeah, his
5: sister Anna, who made a friend of mine, who was a juggler, who taught me to juggle. your good health, mate. the very Best of your past, be the worst of your future. <laughs> <laughs> And you saw my legs, and I was fit then. And I had, nice, I had nice legs, but I don't look like that. And Gazza was a charming guy, absolutely charming. I went to visit him when in the night, just after ninety-one, when he got his injury, and uh, Tottenham. And oh, I'm a fan of Tom. Had
0: uh, all, I think all, we might all made the top four. We've all got our difficulties. I know. I yeah. do you sport. What an amazing Palace! Oh, you're Palace playing man. Everton tonight. Yes, so they are big game. They could put Everton down yes, tonight. Yes, I heard so, about that. You know, but Bobby, yeah. you are an all-round entertainer, aren't well, you? I'm just I mean, all-round now. I mean, See, in, that well, well, I don't really anymore. But it's Impressions, it's singing, yeah. it's presenting TV yeah. shows, it's EastEnders. EastEnders, yes. yes. EastEnders. I did that
5: for 14 months, and I, you know, I imagine myself having a sort of romance with the likes of uh, Ronnie or, 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 or Roxy or Kat, and I, I ended up having to snog Shirley every, every episode. I enjoy it. it. Did you enjoy it? it? I loved it. I loved it. I was just getting going on it, really. I to find my confidence, because a lot of people saw me as an entertainer, and I... Yeah. Um, I I, I liked acting. After that, I actually did some more acting. I, I went and did some plays, and uh, I really enjoy it. So I might do a little bit more of that. But I am an entertainer. I'm sort of all round entertainer.
0: Yeah, that's what I truly, truly, truly love. But making people laugh—it's, yeah. it's. I guess it's a fairly addictive thing to do, isn't it? Uh, well, it certainly is. It is like a drug. I actually.
5: Um, I, I missed it so much in COVID because we, we got locked down. Yeah, could come, come to do that. anything. Yeah. So it was really tough for entertainers. And so, yeah, it was really. I missed, I missed the performing of it. I love performing, I, I do it nearly every night.
0: And this started when you were a kid?
5: Uh, yeah, it was sort of around about 14, 15, yeah. Yeah, I just had a natural ability to so sort of impersonate. He's slowed down a bit, you know, he's slightly more slow. Because he's a millionaire again because he's just taken all his empties back. And he. I've been told not to cram into too many
0: jokes for you tonight, I, really I, like, like, I, I will. We don't care. I we will. don't care. I mean, the one thing I knew for certain is you yeah. wouldn't behave if you came on here, so that no, I'm place, very naughty. I'm very naughty boy. Making people. there's a lot of. Pre- Isn't the problem of being a comedian? There's a problem now, because the, of all this the, woke and, the, and the the, snowflakey but, but, stuff. But when you go out, and try to live your life yeah people think, expect it to be funny at the local petrol station
5: well it's so nice that they remember me i mean someone came up to me tonight and said well you don't have to look like bobby davro no offense <laughs> i said i'm bobby davro they said really well the, the bobby davro yes i said the bobby Dubber. He said you don't hear that name very often nowadays i said well i do because it's my name and people do forget about you and it's but i've always sort of remained there there or thereabouts you know Although I'm not back on the telly anymore. Um, you know, and, and why is that? Well, I can't wood stain a floor, bake a cake or dig me garden up. So I've got nothing, you know, I can't skate, I can't cook, I can't dance, I've got nothing in the garden, I've got my ball in the attic. So I stand Well, there's
0: up always garden. reality TV, Well, isn't I, I
5: know, I know. I'll tell you something the most embarrassing thing that happened the other day. The shows we were watching now, it sort of makes me blah, blah, blah. I was watching Naked Attraction with my daughter, mm-hmm. with my daughter, and I didn't even know she'd audition for it. Anyway, that's a
0: gag. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't too sure. I got it, I got it, I got (laughs) it. I find it
5: frustrating (laughs) sometimes, you know, that entertainers, even the the talent shows, which everyone's entitled to have a go, and I think that's important, but it's not about the actual turns. It's not about the the, the talent on there. It's about the show, and as long as the people go on that, realise that.
0: But we had lots and lots of comedy on the telly in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Lots of funny shows, lots of shows that really pushed... Pretty close to the edge of what was accepted. Well,
5: judged by judged by today's um, culture,
0: yes, very much indeed. Well, almost all of them wouldn't get off the ground now. would
5: well, they? Well, not many of them, no. But it's this is where our problem lies because with the way woke and the cancel culture that's crept in, um, a Black Lives Matter, be GLT or whatever it will be LGT. <laughs> I can't, there's so many different letters in the. You've thing. Got, really yes, you this got to one. be really careful on You've got to be really careful. And it's ridiculous in You're a way. Not, it's are ridiculous because you? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I am. I do respect it. I respect it all, but I don't necessarily agree with the fact that it's bringing us together. I think in a lot of ways it's pushing us apart part. It's pushing this. I do, I really believe that and there's a dilemma that I have um, for years I've been doing this uh, uh, routine where I do Elvis and I get three women out of the audience, normally they're white women they're white women, okay, I can say that and if I get a black woman up and do exactly or a woman of colour, see this is where, we, where it gets dodgy, a woman of colour if I were to do it, and it'd be the same jokes for her because that's what it should be, someone in the audience would go, oh well, you, you were um, discriminating or you were um, you're being racist towards this this lady and then if you don't ask them to join you on the stage, then someone else will say we well, didn't include her, cause you're, so you're, you're, you're leaving her out so where do we lie? I, we should all be laughing with each other, <coughs> not at, at each other I'm not, there's not an ounce of prejudice, racism homophobia in me at all I have lots of black friends, lots of gay friends and we should all be laughing well, we together. should
0: be able to take the mickey out of each other
5: yes, yes, obviously there's, there's some painful things uh, the other day I did a joke about suicide I said my granddad hung himself on Christmas Day and as a mark of respect we didn't take him down the 6th of January so that's a gag about yeah, suicide yeah. okay yeah. it's a joke okay yeah. you've got to make a joke and someone came up to me and was rather aggressive to me physically aggressive and he said you didn't you realize how many people have, have, have suffered suicides and i and i said well i'm sorry if you're offended and everyone's entitled to be offended but you can't take each individual's offense to it, otherwise there would be nothing left to tell jokes so about. is comedy in trouble Yes, I think it is, but I, the likes of Ricky Gervais proves that it, it isn't. The cancer culture isn't healthy just because you don't like someone. If you take somebody like Chubby Brown or Jim Davidson, who's a friend of mine, they do concerts. And if the people in the town or in the city want to go and see him, they should so be they, entitled yeah, to see them.
0: So they can still book a venue. Yes,
5: but the, the people in the theatre don't think it's necessarily good, so they ban those people. Um, but that's not fair because we don't all hold the same... Views and prejudiced, or or, 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 um, it's everyone's entitled to be offended. Everyone is, but it doesn't necessarily make you right. It doesn't mean to say that we should all be offended.
0: And should we have the right to offend?
5: Um, Yes, we should. Yeah, because but but what offends you might not offend me. And yes, everyone's got the right to be offended. But it doesn't mean there used to be an age where. People would, um, would basically um, find prejudice, but now we actually actually seek it. We actively mm. seek it. We go out there to be offended on things that really we never came into our lives before.
0: Apart from you, yeah. and before all this began, yeah. who's the best comedian?
5: Um, in England, as far as I'm concerned, and this is my own opinion, yep. is Freddie Starr. Freddie Starr was probably the funniest guy I ever saw that came through, through my generation. Um, there's some wonderful Michael McIntyre. Michael McIntyre's doing an impression of Michael. There's some brilliant young comedians about, brilliant. Um, but there's also comedians from, from our era, from my era, that aren't really getting a chance to go on there and do it. And people like what we do. And it doesn't matter that you don't. But telly is not
0: doing it anymore. Well, not really. Not really. Little bits of it. I mean, when you were, you know, in the eighties, you were doing a lot of stuff on telly. I mean, you were a big, big star. Had my go, and everyone has a go. And And you were, and you were making the big bucks.
5: Yes, compared to now, of course not. But you know. Uh, it's, it's, it varies, doesn't it, sometimes, like footballers. I mean, my girlfriend's father was um, uh, Billy Wright, yeah. who's, uh, who was, he, he earned, I think I'm allowed to say this, he earned £15,000 in 13 years of professional football. Now they wouldn't get out of bed for... Fifteen thousand quid. Maybe yeah. some of the Palace players.
0: I'm there, semi-final of the FA Cup. Yes, middle of the table. They've yes. done bad, have no, they? They've done very well. No. One well of my friend's there kid, you go. He'll be really happy that
5: they've, they've done well. But, so I think football supporters—it's a bit like comedy. Um, that, you know, someone stopped me on a plane once, and I was having a laugh with some friends. Funny enough, a lot of footballers. And uh, this—I was messing about, and this woman stopped me and said, "You're not funny." I said, i beg your pardon She said, "I don't think you're funny." I said, well, my friends are laughing. And she said, well, I I don't think you're you're funny. I said, well, I don't think you're attractive. doesn't mean to say that you've met someone with bad eyesight that might have married you, but she said, that's (laughs) offensive. I said, no, no, I'm I'm giving it back to you. I don't mean it. (laughs) And I said to, it was um, um, Alan Brazil sat right next to me in this yellow shirt, garish yellow shirt. I said, do you like that shirt you're wearing, Alan? So said, of course I like it. I said, they make people, uh, they make shirts like that for people of your taste. And that is what comedy is. Comedy is taste. And you either like it. And um, Ricky Gervais once said something really wonderful. He said, i like a pound for everyone, every person I've offended with my humour. And he said, hang on a minute, I have got a pound for everybody I've offended.
0: <laughs> Offence
5: is not given, it's taken.
0: Yeah, and that's all part of free speech. Free speech, I believe in that. Yeah. No, well, I, I, I actually do think, and, I, and some of these stories I cover on here, you can't believe the nonsense that's going on. And yet, I know, Bobby, I think that pendulums go back and forth yes they do with these social trends yes and yes, i think that's you know i think it'll come back yeah. in the right direction it shouldn't
5: cause it, should. it shouldn't cause discomfort and I, I, I really don't think that it should do i think i was in pc world yesterday gosh you gotta be careful what you're saying there <laughs> just to lighten it up a bit but i'm a true believer in uh, free speech there you are and um as long as you're not doing it purposely to create um, someone, especially as a comedian, I think you're entitled to talk about anything you want to do and joke about it because
0: it is a joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah.
5: if I've offended someone, they'll get over
0: it. And I say, sorry, I'm sorry you're offended. Well, you want to try big in politics and try to be funny. I mean, oh, I, mean, I had to go. It's it's fake
5: was. news, fake news, I'm you know. <laughs> uh, doing the Donald just to do an impression for you. Donald J. Trump, what does the J stand for? Genius, genius. <laughs> and uh, pol- politically, I'm, I'm very neutral. I don't really follow politics. Geopolitics, I'm interested in. People like George Friedman I, I listen to and, and watch on the, on the videos uh, on YouTube and stuff.
0: So you like current affairs? But I what? love
5: current affairs, yeah. yeah. I, I watch it, and I'm, very, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a devout atheist, so I watch a lot of stuff about religion, uh, and I, I respect everybody's faith. You know, and I, But I find that science is the thing that I absolutely... devout atheist. I'm a devout atheist. I, I don't like religion and what it causes people. But if you have a faith and it brings you comfort, then you're entitled to have that. that I don't is find is it's knowledge. I, I love yeah. the universe and finding out why we are all here and why we're living in this reality.
0: So we get into the real Bobby Davro. Yes, there, yes, quite serious Bobby Davro,
5: <laughs> you know, because I'm a big
0: Brian Cox fan.
5: It's amazing. You know, I'm just cramming a few impressions. No good, we love it. Well, I don't that. do you. I, you, know, I could try, you know, I, I, you've got that <laughs> but I'm not really political. Tony no. Blair, I used to, you know, I used to do Tony Blair, and I told the same jokes as Tony that I do as, um, as Donald J. Trump. So my politics is is sort of
0: and you've uh, kept so out of that. I'm probably very sensible.
5: I think so. I haven't got a tough enough skin to to really take on the the people that are, uh, that have strong
0: views. Well, and the internet, you know, the internet. Well, everyone's you, a critic. If, if you express a view, I mean, yeah, do you do social media? I only do
5: Twitter really. I don't really understand it. I, I'm not very good at it. I'm a bit of a technophobe. I do a little bit. But I believe live and let live. The freedom, the freedom of speech. That's what makes democracy. And we live in a democratic country. And I'm. I, compassion i think you've got to have compassion for people and you know i'm very privileged but I'm not in that box with saying just because I'm white and uh, I'll say middle-aged, I'm not even middle-aged, now. I'm pushing 60, pushing, I'm dragging it. And uh, I don't think that, uh, that, that um, we should be compassionate to everybody, to human beings. I don't think we need um, scriptures to tell us how to be moral. I think you're either moral or you're not moral.
0: Interesting. Now, lockdown was a catastrophe for you, wasn't it? It certainly
5: was. It was awful. I had to sell my house. And then sadly, my father died, uh, which didn't make things easier. But then there's a flip side to anything. You You... You can look at it. It was awful time with Dad dying, but I, because I wasn't working, I could spend more time with him. And yeah. um, so that's, the, that's the, the the glass half full. You've got to be glass half full.
0: So what it, was it? A couple of years without earning any money, basically. Yeah,
5: fourteen months without any money. I sold my house and uh, things were tough. But I'm okay. I'm so much better off than so many other people. I'm blessed. I've got three gorgeous kids. And you know, when I count my blessings, I count them twice. And I'm trying to be as positive as I can.
0: Yeah. And so what next? It. What next
5: with Bobby Davro? Well, I'll plug my show coming up in crew. Do. do a <laughs> on, the 27th, on the 27th of May, I will be at crew um, um, uh, theatre, Lyceum Theatre, coming yeah. up and do a one-man show. I work maybe two or three times a week, yeah. and that's enough for me. I, I love working. I love working. I love singing. I love, love doing... Uh, being well, I've an seen your one man
0: show. Yes, yeah. It's a bit of everything, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And the poor audience, they get dragged out <laughs> onto the stage. I mean, it's a bit rough on them. Isn't uh, it It
5: can be. What do you say? But, but I think they enjoy it. Of course they do. Uh, I, I, I don't ever think that, you know, some people aren't going to like me, but that's the same with every Canadian, every entertainer. You know, you have your favourites.
0: Well, if they, I tell you what, if they didn't like it, they wouldn't pay the 25 yeah, quid or whatever, whatever it is to come along. Precisely. And the crew. When they, they come up do? afterwards,
5: which they're going to do on the 27th of this month. Okay? <laughs> and it, I did a pantomime I do a lot of pantomimes. I do a year now pantomime. so I, I love doing pantomime and that's a skill set in its own you have to learn how to do it and I'm very, I'm very proud of being able to go out and make a family audience laugh from the little toddlers the teenagers mums and dads grannies and grandpas uncles and aunts, the whole family laugh with jokes that um, are right for that set and then if you come and see my live show you know it can be a bit risque yep. but without I don't go out there to offend. I don't. That's not my bag. I go out there to entertain, but I want to t- entertain everybody, mm. and that is becoming more difficult
0: now. It's becoming much more difficult. But Bobby, I still keep, keep trying. Keep doing what you do. You've brought a lot of joy, yeah. a lot of happiness to a lot of people. And I know you're going to go on doing it. Well, thank you very thank much, you. Nigel. Joining me on Pleasure to bites. meet you. Great to see you. Cheers. Here. Your good thank health. You.
5: This is my first drink. By the way, I haven't touched a drop of alcohol for thirty-five days. Really? So yes. And that's not consecutively. That's over twenty-five years. <laughs> <Cheers>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it is time for Barrage the Farage. You've sent your questions in. I have not had a sneak preview. I'm keeping Bobby here because mm. it may be too difficult for me. Let's get this show on the road. One viewer asks, with the censorship of comedy such as Little Britain, are we no better than China and other authoritarian regimes. I don't do impressions, but China. 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 China, 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 China. (laughs) Now, Little Britain was, I mean, I have to say, I love Little Britain. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. And yet, you know, David Walliams, I mean, they're all being told that they did things that were horrible. It was
5: was acceptable. It's fine. It was only 15,
0: 20 years ago. Yeah, I know,
5: but that was the same for me. I I never really came across that kind of thing, but we were doing Stevie Wonder. when I first came in and did copycats which was a show back in 80... Goodness, 80, 8, 89, something like that. Um, you know, we were, uh, we were doing black people, and yeah. it didn't seem... Uh, people didn't seem to have a problem with it. But yeah. now, of course, you couldn't
0: do it. So the question is, are we becoming like China?
5: China, China. I don't know much about China, Really?
0: I like well. their food. <laughs> <laughs> right, he dodged that I one. Dodged totally. that one. I that he about dodged about it right. very well. Ryan asks, "Will cancel culture eventually cancel itself?" Ryan, I really believe. If you look back through many centuries, say in this country, you will see us going through really authoritarian periods followed by permissive periods. Yes. You know, you think about Cromwell and the sort of almost reign of terror we had in this country, and by the time of the Restoration we had gin lane and debauchery on the streets of London. I haven't had much debauchery lately, I must be honest. (laughs) Well, let's hope the pendulum swings quickly, for Bobby's sake, shall we? Mickey asks, do you agree that no peace deal should be agreed until Russia return to the original borders? Mickey, what I was saying last night to my Talking Pints guest, the Ukrainian Member of Parliament, was we should have a dialogue, we should have a narrative with Putin, even if at this stage, there are no sensible terms that can be agreed. Let's at least have a narrative along the lines of what Churchill said, that "George jaw is better than war-war. Mm. And yes, I know Putin's done and his armies have done some truly frightful things, but that's not the point. What I don't want us to do is to box this guy completely into a corner where mm. he might do something. It's more dangerous than ever now. Well, it is dangerous, isn't it? Yes, you scared? It
5: uh, a little scared um, because, basically, what's, what's his choices? Because, you know, the Americans now are putting their, their, their weapons in and they're going to be going in there for, what, the next um, few weeks because they believe that um, Ukraine can win. And um, what's the options for Putin? He's going to have to probably take out the weapons, isn't it he? It does, does seem to mean?
0: be a sort of, fight to be, sort of fight to the death now, doesn't it? A sort of Crazy, mentality. Crazy, Crazy. What for? I'm, I'm, of, I'm worried about it, too. To the land or something. He's kind of I'm worried about of, it, too. I worry a lot. Chris asks, would you buy an electric car? And if not, how long do you think it would be before you buy one? Chris, you can't get a charging point, even in central London. And I learned something the other day. There are commercial vans... Go on to the charging point, don't. leave the van there all day and don't pay any parking fees. Electric car, Bobby, last night. Not th- for
5: me, not for me. I was talking to Howard about it. You know the difference between paraffin and petrol, don't you? Where well, there's two Fs in, in paraffin and no F, F in petrol. <laughs> and when I queued for three, this is going back, what, couple of months, petrol shortage? I was queuing on the. Um, yeah, it was hard, the, wasn't it? Yeah, on the hard court there for, what, three and a half hours. And I only wanted I was a Mars buy and a packet of crisps. And the thing is that,
0: uh, no, I wouldn't buy an electric car. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's no stopping Bobby Davro of that, there's no doubt. I am now. Done for the week. Yes, that's right. I'll be back with you on Monday evening at 7 o'clock here on GB News.